the truth in his art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today is a special episode, part of a series with uh, Morton Fine Art here in DC. Uh, my next guest is an artist and an educator uh, currently based in Washington, DC. Please welcome Jenny Wu. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you here. This is going to be a treat. Looking forward to learning more about you and your work. And also great nails, by the way, I must admit, that's a great color. I'm a fan of your nails. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, if if you will, um, could you describe your work for the fine folks out there, and what what is that drive? What drives you as, a, as an artist? Okay, so my practice um, spans painting, sculpture, video, installation, and participatory projects. Um, but we can focus on the sculptural paintings for today. Sure. Um, so, imagine. So I, my practice basically, I trans, transform liquid paint into sculpture. Mm -hmm. So imagine you have like a pie baking dish. It's sure. about like 12 inches, 10 inches in diameter. And I pour a very thick layer of house paint in the baking dish. Yeah. And then I wait for that first layer to be completely dried. It takes about well, like four days a week, depending on the thickness. And then I pour a second layer yeah. and I wait for, for, for a few days for that to dry. And I repeat the same process, maybe 20 times, maybe 30 times. Sure. And then I use exacto knife to cut into that thick slab of paint. Yeah. And what you see is the cross section of every layers of paint. Yeah. And then I cut those strips of paint into uh, maybe like small cubes or rectangular shapes or form them into triangles, I, I assembled them onto a wood panel. Yeah. So the wood panel, what you see, the finished product is usually very geometrical, um, very systematic, sometimes could be like a brick wall pattern, and they're very colorful. Yeah, as I keep looking over there, I'm looking, looking at one of your <laughs> works right now. It's like, oh, huh, so that's how that's done. <laughs> so thank you for thank you for sharing that. So what what is the drive behind that? Like what really got you into like your, your work specifically, your uh your 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 sculpture, your painting piece? So what huh, what drives me? I think I can answer that question in a few different aspects. Sure. So the most direct way of how this body of work, how it emerged, was because I was painting landscape before that for many years. I was out there, rain or shine, um, sometimes in upstate New York, it's very cold in the winter. I yes, was out is. there having like an easel and paint, just like trees, skies, clouds, those things. Um, I always like to have very, very thick oil paint. Mm -hmm. I just find that the surface that um that the materiality of paint, like the physicality of paint really attractive to me. Sure. So that's how I thought about like okay, how do I um embrace that? Like I don't necessarily have to paint landscape anymore. I could really focus on how thick the paint gets. So that's yeah. when I transitioned from painting oil on canvas, making the landscape paintings to pouring paint and then cutting them with exacto knives. So that's like a very direct way. Sure. And when I look at my whole 
practice from like a, like a bigger point of view. Mm-hmm. I think what drives me is perhaps it just like I. It's like it's like people needing needs to to breathe to be surviving. That's how I see me and my art practice. Um, when I was a kid, I could never sit still. I'm always like, you know, touching things when I'm not supposed to touch, playing things that's borderline dangerous. Uh-huh. Like kids, what you're not supposed to do. Um, and I can never sit still when I watch movie in a movie theater. I'm like constantly every. <laughs> minute I have to change a different position (laughs) yes I just sitting still I cannot do that and then when I was in fifth grade my mom um signed me up for piano lessons because she thought like oh you have to sit there and then learn how to play the piano it would be great for you (laughs) um so I was in fifth grade so I was like 10 years old maybe sure um everyone else in that class was half my age and they were all way better than me it was really soul crushing but i gave myself an excuse rob you can see my pinky <laughs> finger it is very short i i, I see it yes. is very short so this is biological disadvantage <laughs> this this path is not meant for me and i quit piano maybe like in a few months i was like i can't do this anymore and and at that time, uh, my cousin was take was taking uh, drawing painting lessons. Yeah. My mom thought like, oh, if you go learn how to draw, you can also sit learn how to sit still for hours at a time, and that's how it started. <laughs> so. If, if, and thank you for sharing that. That's great. It's great how we have these stories. It's like, I need this to be different. I need you to chill. <laughs> you need to relax. You know what? Painting. Oh, piano didn't work. Painting. That's going to work. Um, so, so in that, it, when was that, or how long after that, when was that first time that you, you realized that you were creative or you at least had like, you, you wanted to really do, do this as like a long-term like practice? Um, creating the yeah, create. So, uh, as a child, every like, a lot, a lot of adults ask you, so what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, I didn't have an answer back then, um, but I knew I didn't want to do the same tasks every day necessarily mm-hmm. as like a job when I'm growing up. So um, I thought I could be a detective. Because I watched this uh, Japanese cartoon called Detective Conan. I'm obsessed with it. I recently started to watch it again after like 10 years of not watching it. I'm like, huh, th- that's cool. So I think, um, I think the desire to making discoveries, to experiment, to to really go and try, oh, I wonder what would happen if I do this. I see the parallel of the younger self, younger me, wanting to be a detective mm-hmm. to the current me making art. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very completely different fields, but I think the drive in me is the same. So that's that, that through line where it's that through line. I don't want to say this before I forget. I wanted to be a detective. I mean, I wanted to be a, uh, <laughs> 
an astronaut doctor when I was a kid. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, but I think also that, that desire connecting these different points. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that that's the through line with the stuff that I'm doing now. And what has always kind of mattered to me is how can I uncover and highlight something? Mm-hmm. How can I share yes, something? Yes. So, you know, people like, as I was telling you before we got started, I do this movie mm-hmm. thing or what have you. I was like, people don't know about this. Why do I know about this? You don't know about this. Or when I do an interview, I was like, you don't know about this artist. You don't know about Jenny Wu. Why you know about Jenny Wu? <laughs> so it's really one of those things of trying to help show more show show different things that I may find interesting. I think other people might like, or uh, other people um, to to really check into sharing artists, sharing uh, different stories in exchange. And I think that's the through line of what really keeps me interested, and it ties to what I do in the day job. Of mm-hmm. I'm an analyst, so it's yeah. like, what's the root of this? What is the root cause? What is the truth? Yes, to yeah. sound so corny. What is the truth in this art? <laughs> um. So we were touching on like you being younger and where you're at now. So how has your voice as an artist changed over the year, you over the years? And what do you attribute to those changes? Um, I think, I think my voice, I wouldn't say it's changed. I think cause I'm still the same person. Sure. I think my voice, I'm, I'm slowly discovering my own voice throughout the years. Um, I would say my work based on just the look of it has like three stages. Mm-hmm. The very first stage was I was, I went to an art high school in China. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that time, everybody was making like still life paintings and then drawings of people of their head mm-hmm. because that's what college entrance exam that's what they are asking for to apply for art schools in china so everybody was making essentially the same thing Mm -hmm. so i got into the art high school because as my mom (laughs) using this oh you can sit still like i was really interested in making drawings and paintings but the more I learned the techniques, this like realistic way of rendering how you paint an apple in this way, this textbook telling you to do, how you draw this person in a really, really realistic manner using pencils. Um, I got really sick of it. Hmm. At that time, I did not know what I want to make but I knew I don't want to make the same thing everybody else was making. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I read this book. It's uh, by this contemporary Chinese artist and educator. His name is Chen Danqing. So he wrote a book about how the art education system, how he disagrees with um, how we approach art education. It's just like very limiting in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like, huh, I don't want to do art anymore. I'm going to go to America and study math. Not because I'm Asian. <laughs> I was really good at math. I'm in the classroom with everybody else's Chinese. I was really good at math. I was really loving math. So it. I'm like, okay, let me go to America and study math. This will be, this will be fun. Like I can just paint as a hobby. It'll be mm. fine. Um, so that was the first stage I was making still life, realistic paintings. Yeah. And then when I got to America, I took um, an intro to drawing class. Mm-hmm. I thought like, huh, 
easy A. I, I can this. do this, <laughs> but I really struggled. My intro to drawing professor, Philia E, she really opened my eyes to there are those infinite possibilities of what I can make, what I can use my voice to create. Um, so that's when I decided I want to continue to pursue art. Um, but I was sick of painting pots and pans and bananas and apples. I mean, how many peaches can you paint? Flowers. Uh, so sick of that. So I thought, huh, I'm going to go outside and paint in nature. Yeah. Because for me, that was like just enough challenge that I'm, I'm, like um was painting this setup that I can see it's very small to this much bigger still life if you will sure. but lights are changing so I thought painting landscape would be um a, a good challenge for me to 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 explore what I can make so that was like the second phase I was mm -hmm. out there in cold upstate New York <laughs> out here freezing and just stretching stretching my practice let's yeah. figure it out oh uh, I was on uh, I had a bike in college and I have a car and a bike so I had my French easel on my back left hand on the bike right hand holding this canvas you are a rule breaker <laughs> without a helmet I mean looking back I was that was really dumb but I did not die so it was good the reckless tales of Jenny Wu <laughs> so don't do this if you're biking wear a helmet for safety wow <laughs> so That's that great. was the second phase I was making landscape paintings um but it was it's still not me enough mm -hmm. a lot of people quite a few people when they see that they when they see the painting before they saw the name right if you see Jenny Wu obviously that's Asian female uh, a lot of people before they see the paint before they see me they perceive that painting as done by a cisgender white male mm -hmm. and that really um I wouldn't say it bothered me it just like I've been thinking about that for a very long time. Like, okay, how much me is in mm. the works, right? Like, of course, I loved making those paintings of clouds, trees. Um, I love being out there in the nature. I love the light is changing every 10 minutes or yeah. 10 seconds if it's sunset or sunrise time. But it was not enough me in there. Mm. Um, so that's when I went to graduate school. I started to explore, okay, so what is more me that I can discover about myself that I can turn into the work? Yeah. So that's the current work I'm making right now. It's, it's important. And I, I had this conversation when I was talking to uh, Michael earlier about when you're putting yourself into your work, that feels much more like important. It feels mm -hmm. much more relevant to you. It's like, oh, no, I'm actually like, I like this work. I like doing this, but this feels different. Mm -hmm. this, this feels like right here at the heart. Yeah. And then thinking back about my love of math, yeah. I think it's, it's coming back. I'm not like, you know, sitting there like solving math problems or like writing <laughs> equations, mm -hmm. but there is a a lot of um, a reference of math and the geometry in yes. the work that I'm making today. That's great. So 
with that, this next question I have, I think this is interesting um, because I'm a bit of a scientist myself here. Uh, tell me about, and I did a meme there, tell me about experimenting, tinkering, and trying new things as an artist because I think that that's something that came up maybe in a video I saw about you, maybe a little, little work you were doing in there. <laughs> um, so in graduate school, uh, when I was making lots of experiments, I used, I pretty much use anything but oil paint right. to make paintings. I tried using lipsticks, um, Gorilla Glue with the expands, uh, plants. I tried like talking to plants because like, I heard that that makes like difference in their lives. I did a lot of really weird things. And um, I had this mentor, he asked me, he said, what would you not do to a painting? And I said, um, anything that's legal, I would do it. I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to get deported. No one wants that. But, but anything that's legal, like really that is for me, that is the limit, yeah. right? So I thought that that's what I love the most about being an artist. It's the freedom to make whatever I want. My bottom line is legal. <laughs> Other people might have different lines, but my lines, like, if I don't get arrested, I'll do it. Like, is this legal uh, <laughs> now, next step? <laughs> right. And then also, it's the freedom to fail. It's the freedom to make many, many bad works. It's the freedom to make just horrendous pieces that, like, um, I, just, I can just hide it. Like nobody has to see how ugly this thing turned out. How how uh, this piece I, in my mind, like okay, this might be great, but when I made it, it's like oh no, uh, honey, it's gotta go back. No, <laughs> um, it's that freedom I really love. Like nobody can tell me what I I mean, except the law, but nobody else <laughs> can tell me what I can cannot do. <laughs> I didn't sit still, but now I'm just following the rules, following the law right now. Exactly. No, but I, I'm, I'm on the same page, like, you know, especially like with a recording, right? Mm -hmm. You can do an interview and it's like, okay, that was bad. I need to delete that. <laughs> it never happened suddenly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think when you're able to experiment and you're able to try different things, you're able to really like work through a practice, really work through a certain technique that you're applying to it. And... For instance, like if I'm recording something and I may want to sweeten the audio, I might want to do live mixing, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Now, you know, if you're doing something right there in front of a studio <laughs> audience and it's live, that could be a little <laughs> dicey. We might talk about that a little later, but, um, but I think being able to experiment, being able to tinker and figure out things, it makes you just more well-rounded and improves how you're approaching your craft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So what do you enjoy most about your work now? And I, and I think you, you're, you're touching on it a bit there. Do you view your work as a live and breathing like, like practice? And you know, how do you see that, that going? Um, I think for me, this is almost the same when I was making landscape paintings. I always have the tendency to like <laughs> the most recent work because it's very fresh, it's the newest piece. Um, and I, of course, throughout the years, I'm, I'm trying to see, okay, what else I, I can like tweak this aspect. So if you look at the works I made earlier, even four or five years ago, you see the colors are very 
pretty much the whole rainbow is there. Um, that time I was buying those like eight ounces sample paint from hardware stores. I just dumped, dumped the paint, you know, on the surface. Um, but now I, I get very specific with the colors. It was almost exactly two years ago before the shutdown. I went to a hardware store, shameless, shamelessly <laughs> stood in front of the paint chip, took every single color. <laughs> I'm sure they think, oh, she's gonna make some bookmarks, some craft project. I'm like, no, the world's gonna shut down. I need to order my paint. I need to have the samples at I my need hands. All of this now. I need, so yeah, so now I have like the whole collection of samples. I mean, I'm buying plenty of paint, so they, they shouldn't complain about that. I have all the sample color. I sit, I sit at home. Oh my guess, okay, I need this color, this color, and I go purchase them. Yeah. So my colors are getting more and more um, controlled or refined or pre like thought out. Instead yeah. of like previous previous words, colors are more I leave more to chance. They're sure. more random. So I do see it's slowly progressing and especially Facebook, once in a while they tell me, Oh, you posted this four years ago. I'm like, huh. Yeah, I see. I see. There's a big, big difference. Mm -hmm. I, I look at like early episodes of this podcast and just where I was at as an interviewer and where I was at and talking with people and. You know, as I was saying before, you know, sometimes that shyness is there. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I don't know what to ask or if my question's good or what have you. Now I just, I'm able to insert and this ties back to identity and then inserting, inserting what's important to you as a creator, mm -hmm. being able to insert more of myself in the questions. So it might be the way I approach a question. I mean, I ask the way I ask a question or the type of question I might mm -hmm. ask, especially with the rapid fire ones, some warning to you. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, this is like a follow-up question. You don't have this one, so sorry. Um, what colors, like, like what does color represent to you and maybe why you may choose to approach color in a certain way? What does color represent to me? I am obsessed with blue. Fair. <laughs> I, um, so a lot of my works, when I started to picking colors, I just picked lots of blue. When I, uh, it's almost to the point that when I go to the store, I'm like, okay, Jenny, you do not need another blue jacket or bag, but I have plenty. Three blue jackets later. It's like, oh, oh, these? Don't worry about those. It's my fun. car is blue. My bag, my bigger bag is blue. My water bottle is blue. Everything is blue. I wear a lot of burgundy. So that's your problem. That's my thing. Uh, burgundy and gray. My jacket over there is gray. It's, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, I so, it. yeah. So for me, I think I, I, I see color as like how they interact with each other. Mm. I, I love blue, but I don't want to say like blue is my favorite color in a way. I just love how like when I see the color, like the feeling I'm getting with the color. Um, I think like before I probably dislike a few colors, but it, but I think now it's, it depends on the context of how this color is interacting with something else. Mm. So that's how I see the, the meaning of color um, in the work right now. And I'm starting thinking more about colors because like the name, as I was, um, it's like a really brand new thought. I was watching this, uh, this Chinese 
um, New Year's gala, like a t- like four hour long yeah. TV show with like dances and you know comedy and magicians, all of that. And there was one dance I just obsessed with the color combination of their like the dancers' dresses, like their the stage design. I, and I have been thinking about how do I tie the colors back to myself even more, mm. so not just. You know, staying at this like, oh, I like blue. Therefore, there's lots of blue in there. I think plenty of people they like blue. But how do I tie it back more to my culture, to myself? Yeah. And um, there was another like four hour long talk that I listened to on YouTube. That's what I do when I'm making like works. I listen to like podcasts and super super long talks. Um, so this person was talking about how a lot of like Chinese scholars. They are renaming the color. So, like a blue,、mm-hmm. uh, if we call it like cobalt blue, right? It does not have this Chinese root in there. Okay. So those people actually looking、um, into how I don't know how to frame this because I haven't really thought too much about how they are looking into how this blue is described in traditional Chinese、mm-hmm. literature,、yeah. and then. They name the color based on that. Gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah. for example, like one color, I probably describe it as like、um, very pale, like reddish yellow, like almost like I think probably similar to my skin color, maybe more red in there.、Mm-hmm. And they call it Ru Meng Ling.、Mm-hmm. So for you, it means. Blah blah blah, right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> what it means. Because、actually. you don't speak Chinese, but for me, like, oh wow, I see, I see the poetic、mm. meaning. Like when I see those three words, and when I see that color,、yeah. there's a connection. So I think my next phase of discovering more colors and finding more meaning is perhaps in that direction. Um, haven't started too much yet. I have lots of screenshots saved on my phone to to go back to when I to think about it more. No, that's that's great.、Um, I I always go from like my background as a working in like like I guess a marketing person or what have you、mm-hmm. and to Pantone and what the colors may represent from an advertising perspective、mm-hmm. and what you're trying to relay in that way. So when someone is doing blue and they're like, oh, you're depressed, or if you're doing like、um, something that's a Uh, color connected to red. You want to entice someone, or yellow. If you want, you want to entice someone. So that's why a lot of the fast food advertising、mm-hmm. either has red, yellow, or orange yeah, in it. Yeah, they、somewhere. want you to get out, eat, and they get out. Yeah, eat, leave. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Next. <kidding> . Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I got、uh, two more questions before I get to those rapid fire questions.、Um, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> I read that your work,、um, and we talked about it a little bit, and, you know, elements of painting and sculpture. And I've even seen、uh, work with cassette tapes. How do you source your material? It depends.、Uh, when I, when I, it, I think in the experimental phase, pretty much anything I can get on my hands.、Um, how the cassette tapes was a, another interesting story. That was really cool. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> so I, w-、uh, I was working part time on campus as a student when I was in graduate school,、yeah. and my boss, this is what he said. He said, "Jenny, you are a weird artist. We have three thousand Diane Rehm shows on cassette, 
we archive them all, so don't be heartbroken. This is, you know, Rob, I know you're... <laughs> uh, so they archive them all and they have this physical tape. They're about to go to dumpster. And he said, do you want them? Like and I said, when can I pick them up? <laughs> so I had this like 3,000 diorama shows on cassette in my studio. I, I think that looking at them, like I don't know what to do with them. I, don't have a cassette player anymore. I, I look at that. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. This is a lot of them. And, um, I started taking them apart. Um, I think that's also tying back to my habit as a child to constantly quote, destroy things. Seems like a detective. Though. Like, uh, what's, what's really like, in what here? Is, yeah, yeah. Like what is in there? Um, so I was thinking about like, when I was a kid, this is like really another weird story. Uh, I had this stuffed animal bunny. Mm -hmm. It was just like really generic white bunny, probably like it fit in your hand, not that big. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty old, so like the seam was already like kind of bursting out, like they're kind of broken. So one day I was home by myself, my parents are out. I was, I don't know how old I was. The memory is very, part is very, is very vague. And I never told anyone else this story because it's just so strange. It's living in my head. <laughs> so my parents are out. I was home by myself and I decided to give the bunny a bath. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it wasn't dirty. I just want to give the bunny a bath. Um, so I got like a little bucket, filled with water, washed the bunny. Yeah. And then like, okay, now I have to dry the bunny. <laughs> Get a complete process. I mean. Right, like, you know, like it's so, um, and there was nowhere to hang the bunny. Again, completing the process. <laughs> exactly. So I took my mom's um, sewing kit, I made like an indoor clothesline, mm. and then I tried to like hang the bunny on like this really thin string, yeah. but a wet bunny with like very thin thread, oh, no. it's very heavy. Oh, no. So I couldn't <laughs> hang the bunny on the thread. So there, now that this is where like the seam that's open, I just like took all the inside Like let me take all of this out, out real quick. I squeezed the inside yeah. and then I have this like shell of a stuffed <laughs> bunny. It's, it's like a pelt. <laughs> yes, hanging on the thread. Your mom was just like. I, I, I don't. I don't know what happened after that. I don't know if my parents like. I. I don't think I got into trouble because it wasn't really like a dangerous act. Yeah. It was just like weird. Um, like we need to get more piano. Uh, you know what? Like, what else can we get? You can in? we like redirect her <laughs> so she has more things to do productively for her free time? Uh, this so, is how it starts. <laughs> so yeah, I've been thinking about that moment a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps like some psychologist or a therapist can tell me more about what that means but it's okay i'm fine um so, so that's when like when i have those cassette tapes i had them sitting in my studio for maybe like a month or two and they're like okay i'm gonna open them so when i open them i see how delicate that string was like how it's reflective um it's very delicate, so light. It's also showing you the invisible airflow in the room because like, you see the room, you don't really see air flowing. Yeah. But when you put the cassette tape, you're hanging like yeah. towards the ceiling, you see this very delicate flow. So that's when I started to um, use more cassette tapes to make installation that people are invited to play with, to touch. Mm -hmm. So that was early on, I get like 
random stuff and I see what to do with it. Um, and uh, my the paint I'm using, they started as Oops paint. Mm -hmm. So for people who are not familiar with that, that's when hardware store, they mix the wrong color. Um, they couldn't sell it. They call it oops paint and they sell it really cheap. So as a really poor graduate student, like, oh, I can buy this whole gallon of paint this for is a bargain. <laughs> $10 and oil paint, like it's $20 for like a toothpaste size. Like <laughs> this is great deal. Um, so I started buying oops paint and started like, experimenting with them see what i can do and eventually now i have very specific i know i know exactly like mm -hmm. i know on this blue <laughs> mix it hardware store <laughs> when you said oops i immediately thought of uh captain crunch oops all bears oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um this is the last real question i have um and and, and i guess this is the the I guess the aftercare component um, of of making work. Mm -hmm. How do you feel when you finish a project? How do I feel? Hmm. It depends. I think sometimes I feel like like relieved. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm immediately thinking about okay, what's next. Mm -hmm. I also almost sometimes feel like when I finish a piece. It's like a moment I'm starting to detach from it, like emotionally, mm. because it's finished, it's out there on the wall, and people can, they see, I cannot control what they perceive, what they see, like my job, how much I can control yeah. is done almost. So I'm just thinking about what's the next thing. It's like, my job is done. I've, I've, I've given you all I've got. Yes. <laughs> I dig it. That's how I finish. That's how I feel about podcasts most of the time. I was like, I hope y'all like it, but uploaded, done. I'm, I'm doing something else now, so we already done that. All right, uh, it's, it's rapid fire time, Jenny. Um, so I got I got four questions for you. Are they like yes or no questions, or they are not? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so with it, uh, we want to be as brief as possible in it. Okay. Um, and, and, and they're kind of they're, they're simple questions. Um, so be as brief as possible if you can. I think. Um, what is your most important tool as a creator? Daydreaming. I dig it. Do you have any, what some people may describe as unusual talents? You said you were a weird artist earlier or someone said that to you, so. Um, I multitask. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> to the way I usually, when I'm driving, I'm calling my mom on the phone. I'm also thinking about Next project, also searching for yellow cars. It's a weird game I play with my friends. <laughs> That's great. It's like, there's Bumblebee. Uh, <laughs> is, is there anything that you collect? Are you a collector of anything? Like some people collect bottle caps, some people collect trading cards, uh, Funko Pops. Do you collect anything? I collect, I would say, memories. Okay. Not oh. as much. I, I, I'm not a huge collector on physical object. I do collect art. Mm -hmm. I do have some art, but I'm not a huge collector of physical objects. Yeah. Um, memories. Last question. You're, you're, you're kind of acing this. I don't like it. I don't like that you're acing these. These are supposed to be hard. These are supposed <laughs> to be like, look, Rob, I'm sweating. I don't know what to say. Um, and I think you've said this so in, earlier in the pod, but um, in the studio, so when you're working, Music, podcasts, or silence. What do you what do you prefer? And if it's either music or podcast, what are you listening to? 
true crime murders. Wow. Wow. I, I, I don't, is, is that a genre? Like what, what is that? <laughs> There's a lot of true, yes, it's a. No, no, you're like true crime murder. I was like the actual thing. Someone's being killed. No, outside no, 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 no. Like true crime podcast <laughs> on, on crime shows and cases. I, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Any, any particular one, like my favorite murder or something? Oh, my favorite murder. Um, Serial is my all time favorite. I'm now listening to red collar crimes. Okay. All right. That's all the questions I got for you. All right. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that you won. I'm not sweaty for not. those who can't You're see not. I don't like that. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. This has been a treat. And I want you to invite you to and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, your work, social media, all of that stuff. And big shout out to uh, Morton Fine Art, actually, for hosting us today. Thank you. I'm so yeah. Thank you, Rob, for having me here today. Uh, you can go to my website. It's www.jennywu.art, and my Instagram. I think it's Jenny the Wu. Okay, hold on. Let me I check. Feel like that is it. I, is that my Instagram? Hold on. Please hold. Just give me a second. <laughs> Wait. How do I find? <laughs> okay. Yes, it is. It's Jenny J E N J E N N Y T H E W U. Thank you. That's great. I thought it was going to be Jenny the Blue because you like blue so much. No, no, it's Jenny the Woo. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Um, I want to again thank uh, Jenny Woo for coming on to the podcast. And uh, I'm saying that there is art in and around your city. Uh, you just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>